From the pages of the Salt Lake Tribune, straight to your earphones, this is Tribune Sports Radio. Please hang up and try again. So natural, much like my own personality. All right, so what were you saying about Matt Piper, Kyle Goon, Kevin Wintermorris, Ben Raskin? Matt, what were you saying about the, the quarterback? Oh, I just that you know yesterday after our first uh, bowl practice, Kyle Whittingham came out and said something that was a little bit surprising, which is that he expects one, two, or three quarterbacks to transfer this season. I think everyone sort of expected that because there are eight quarterbacks who would be on the roster in spring. But for the head coach to say that before the bowl game uh, was was unexpected, and I think it maybe indicates that he's trying to get the word out there so that schools will look at these guys and maybe they'll have a nice soft landing spot. And that, you know, for his own sake, the quarterback picture will get a little bit clearer, which is something that, you know, people have wondered for a while, how's that going to happen? How are we, how's Chase Hansen going to get a shot? You know, that kind of thing. How does, how do quarterbacks, uh, with these kids, with these student athletes, how are they able to negotiate other schools? Or do ADs get involved with this? It, or do other football coaches? Or what's the process that somebody could transfer from Utah to another college? I, I mean, well, you, a lot of it is is just some somewhat self-evaluation so you gotta you kind of gotta go out and, and look at yourself and see what might be a good situation but you know these guys have been recruited by other colleges other coaches you know for i mean even jay hill over at weber former utah coach who's probably involved in some of these guys recruiting and it, and you know just the network kind of tapping into what what you had before you went to school so you kind of look around Maybe somebody hears about you and sends you a message, um, says, hey, if you are looking for a spot, you know, we, we could bring you in, you could compete, whatever. I mean, you know, look, you look at how Utah got Kendall Thompson with Dave Christensen coming to Utah as OC. And Kendall Thompson was over at Oklahoma, and he was, he was sort of languishing in that backup role. And Dave Christensen said, hey, I'm going to a new spot. You're looking for a new spot. Let's let's see if we can get some work something out. I mean – and, and, you know, to, to an extent, I mean, you know, we don't know exactly how that went down. You know, well, there's never... a couple of ways it can happen. You can ask for you can ask your school for permission to to be courted by these other schools. And in that case, you know, anybody can contact you and you, you're almost like a recruitable athlete again. Or what can happen and what happens frequently is, you know, you, a lot of these guys have. The, the coaches from other schools have relationships from when they previously rec recruited them or yeah, other yeah. athletes with right. like a high school coach. So there's like an intermediary, you know, and even if they're even if the NCAA rules prohibit them without the school's consent for, for going after these these guys who are currently signed with other programs, they can sort of work it out with through this intermediary. Is it kind of a screw job, though, that, you know, you get Coach Witt comes to your house and says, we're going to put you, you know, under center when three years time we'll have your red shirt and get you prepared for this. And then at the end of the day, it's sort of like, yeah, well, that's not going to work out too well. It is. That's it, it is. I mean, it's the business, but but mm -hmm. it absolutely is. A lot of these kids are sold on being stars. Every yeah. one of those kids that comes to the school is told that he's going to help them win a conference championship. And they'll, you know, sometimes they have they Photoshop guys, you know, holding the Heisman Trophy and stuff like that. And, yeah, and but then, long punters don't, snappers don't. No, well, but most well, most guys do though. Not not the long snappers, yeah, but right. they don't get scholarships anyway. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, it, it, it's just a really tricky game, and and it's building expectations. I mean, a lot of times the coaches themselves might build in the language, like, well, we'll give you a chance to compete, and we think you can can be a really good player for us. But the fans also kind of build it. I mean, yeah. social media has built this dynamic where fans have direct access to the recruits, and they're telling kids, "Well, you're gonna you're gonna be the next, you know, Alex Smith, or you're gonna you're gonna be the next um, Brock Joe Hacking. Kruger, or you know, or um, and it's just like, or Paul Kruger rather, and it's just like one of those things where you know, it's you have this legion of people just kind of building you up, building you up, and you kind of don't see it going wrong, but then. You get to play quarterback at Utah, and like Matt mentioned, you have Travis, Kendall, Connor, um, Adam Schultz, Brandon Cox, Donovan Isom, um, you know, Hansen. Chase Hansen coming in. It's just this Jason huge, Thompson. I, Jason I, Thompson, that's right. And it's just this huge is that eight? back. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. See, and, and I think that what happens is, you know, even now it's hard 
for me to to kind of be to evaluate myself. So then, you know, you, you're looking at kids who all along have been exceptional athletes and have really excelled, you know, all, even through high school. And now it's they have to actually be like, all right, what are my actual chances here? You know, there are seven other guys. If no one else comes, how, it, it's so hard to be that self-aware to be like, you know what, I really – I just don't have a shot because you want to believe that you have the skills. Like you've always succeeded at football. Why can't you now at Utah? And so you're like, well, I'm not going to transfer, man. You know, Schultz is going to transfer and Isom's going to transfer. And yeah. you know, how, yeah. how do you, how do you honestly assess yourself and be like, this just isn't going to, to be it. Unless the coach says, look, man, not, it's not going to happen. And you go to these camps now. So, like, I think they have a better idea now than they once did of where they stand because they go to these camps all the time. And, you know, Travis Wilson was competing against all the other best quarterbacks right. in the country. But there are a whole bunch of elements of why you start that aren't a factor at those camps. Yeah. There's personal relationships. There's the type of offense. You know, you're not going to be just – it's not going to be an accuracy competition when you get to, to school, which is not to say anything about Travis Wilson. But just, just for a lot of these guys, you know, it's, yeah. it, it's really, like, confusing when you go to a camp and you see yourself just as good as these other guys who are landing at USC right. I or can something. throw it just as far right. as him. And, you know, right. I, I hit the target eight out of ten times, and he hit it seven out of ten so times. So let's say right. hypothetical about Travis, who, who, you know, I don't know if this is the way he feels, but he, he went to Elite 11. Uh, which is the premier quarterbacks camp yeah. for for prep quarterbacks, and he was one of the he he was voted I think you know best release or something, and he was very very near, narrowly missed out I think on on being one of the final eleven top quarterbacks in the country. He was as good. He was rating as well as guys who went on to to USC and Oregon, and so if you're him and you think I'm going to Utah, where you know, the quarterback situation is kind of a disaster. Right. And then you go there and you bust your butt and you win the job as a freshman. Yeah. Then, and, and you keep busting your butt and you keep feeling like in your mind you're improving. It's very confusing that anybody else would start over you. Right. It's, it's, right. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean he's stupid. You know, no. It's, it, no. It, it's, we'd all be that way. Yeah. We'd all be mm -hmm. confused as to why somebody else could beat us. And, and it would be very hard to, like, really take a step back and analyze, like, oh, well, maybe, maybe that guy does deserve to be over me or something. Yeah, but correct me right. if I'm wrong. Isn't last year against, like, USC, he threw, like, 300 interceptions or something? <laughs> that was UCLA. Oh, UCLA. I don't, yeah. I don't know the game, but, I mean, performance does – I think these guys also understand performance and being part of a depth chart. But he has highlights. He's been carried off the field on people's shoulders. He's been shoulders carried off the field times. twice. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's, he's got some pretty nice highlights, too. Yeah. And, and, and who – And I'm a fan of that. I mean, I would love to be carried off the field, but it takes 10 <laughs> guys to do it. Or two draft horses. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you know, you aren't going to focus on the negative. You know, it's, you know what, your question there, Benny, you aren't going to focus on the six interceptions that you threw last year. Yeah, yeah. You're going to focus on – I led the game-winning drive against USC, yep. and we beat USC, and I got carried off the field. Yeah, right. And, and so he's going to think that. You know, Kendall Thompson is going to think, you know what, man? If I had, if my leg hadn't gotten blown out against Oregon, in his mind, I'm sure he's thinking we would have beaten Oregon, yeah. and then we would have we would have beaten Arizona, we would have beaten Colorado, and we would have played for the Pac-12 championship, and we might even who knows where we would have been in Damn. his mind, you know. Mm -hmm. And and then you've got Connor Manning who's like, man, all I need is a shot. Just put me in there, man. I have the best release of anyone who's ever played the quarterback position at Utah. <laughs> and, and the <laughs> other thing mind. is coaches are saying that too. I mean, we've talked to A-Rod right. and we've talked to Dennis Erickson at various times who say Connor Manning has, has one of the best releases and, and uh, that, that, that they've seen in a lot of the quarterback prospects they've coached. And so that still keeps up. The positivity exactly. still exactly. keeps up in its own way because you got to build these guys up and, and, got, and like for the sake of competition, you got to – Make them believe that they yeah. could potentially win it. I mean, yeah. so but with the having competition versus consistency, or at least you know, like you know, you cement a position on this. Like by all accounts, like if you were to give Wilson a ra rating uh, A through F for the season, like what would you give him at? You know, and uh, before you answer that question, I would argue that if it's above a C plus, that probably the job should be his again next year. Yeah, I don't know. It probably is about a C plus. I mean, he he really cut back on the interceptions, which I think was what he was told to do. Yeah, mm -hmm. he had he had some games where he was needed down the stretch, 
and and in in, in uh, against Stanford, he waited until overtime. But right. uh, <laughs> you know, it where he but he delivered. You know, mm-hmm. when it really mattered. And he had a couple games where he he and everything about the offense was just awful. Washington but, State leaps to mind. Yeah, and, and but, Arizona I mean, State. But there, leaps to I mean, mind. Washington State, right? He he should have had a game-winning touchdown pass, though. That's, so that's also true. You can't put it all on him. So I, I think probably about a C plus is is right. I, what about you, Kyle? No, I, I'm gonna kind of defer to Matt there. I, I mean, you know, he he obviously because there was a point. There, there was a point when after it was after he beat USC. I, I wrote a sidebar about, um, you know, just the up ups and downs of the season to that point. He had, he had, I mean, this is a kid who worked his way back from an and a health condition that everyone thought was going to end his football career. Works his way back, gets cleared in June, wins the starting job back after a summer battle that he probably didn't expect in the spring, right? And then, uh. And then loses the job, wins the job back, and then win has the biggest win of the season to that point, and one of the biggest wins in Pac-12. I, the biggest Pac-12 win Utah's had is that. Well, no, Stanford, of course, and UCLA, but it's it's one of the biggest. Yeah. Big in USC is a big yeah. deal. It's and, on the Mount Rushmore right. of, of but, but then Utah he loses and the Pac-12 job again. And right, then he gets and, back and even after I wrote that story, there was more exactly, right. which right. is what Kevin's saying. Right, yeah. it's like he loses a job again, only gets back because of the injury to Kendall, and then you know, kind of finished finished the season out, uh, you know, with that win against Colorado where he looked pretty good, and the defense wasn't all that good. So, so it's just yeah. really weird. The other thing is, it's sort of you, you sort of always, but naturally, coaches and and media and fans always sort of betray the starting quarterback because he's laid bare. His yeah. flaws are out there for everybody to see. And, you know, part of keeping these other guys happy, part of keeping Brandon Cox excited to be at the U is is Aaron Roderick saying, you know, he's as fast as anybody that we got. He's a, he throws a great ball and he's really smart. And that may all be true, but then fans hear that and they're like, well, if he's, if he's the fastest guy you got and he's the smartest guy you got and he throws this great ball – why, right. why isn't he out there, and why yeah. isn't he winning the Heisman Trophy? Right. And, and so then, then everyone's clamoring for him to get in the game, and he's set up to fail. It's just this – it really is a vicious cycle, and I really yeah. do think that, that maybe Utah has learned that you can have too many quarterbacks. It, yeah. There yeah. are other teams who, who – like USC, for instance, had like 10 quarterbacks on their depth chart. But I think going to USC, you sort of expect that. I why don't is know. that? Yeah. Well, it's if you're – USC has – has you I mean, know a history a rich of, tradition of, yeah okay well, no, i mean but even pick. usc they have two of the top top three quarterbacks in next year's recruiting class and both freshmen and these kids kids can't see that log jam coming up it's it's ricky towns and i forget the sam other sam darnold who utah darnold. was in the game for and utah was in the game for and sam darnold comes he they're gonna roll out the red carpet and he's gonna be welcomed like a conquering hero before he even does anything they go <laughs> they both go to usc in the same year at least one of them is going to get redshirted. They're also behind Max Brown, who was the number one right. guy a couple years ago, who I saw beat the crap out of Cottonwood and Cooper Bateman. And it's like, coop, well, coop. What, what do they, what do these kids <laughs> think is going to happen? Yeah. And and part of that is it's just clouded by this other stuff going and on. Next year they'll have two more. They will the best uh, because and, it's and that's what's happened with Alabama too. Is Cooper yeah. Bateman went there and he? It isn't like oh. Cooper Bateman is going to be our conquering hero here here at Alabama, right? Because they just keep bringing him in. Because if you are a top high school quarterback, you want to go to the best team. But but see, I think I think Utah is actually, I, I think they're going to have a hard, a little bit harder time perhaps getting quarterbacks to transfer because they've proven that you know what we're open to the idea of uh, making a switch committee, yeah. And so now you've got guys who are like. All right, well, they went with Kendall midseason. You know, Travis kind of got into a smidge of trouble there, and so then they made a switch. So now kids are like, well, they're open to it, man. Well, but they I, maybe, but then there's also the fact that I, I think people would be shocked how few opportunities these guys get to show what they can do. For sure. yeah. If you've gone through this season and you're Connor Manning, you know, or you're Donovan Isom. You know, Donovan Isom, true freshman from Louisiana. He's a big kid. He stays after practice. He throws, you know, these gorgeous balls to, to Utah's backup receivers while we do interviews for the whole time. And probably, you know, I think there, there are times where he's, he's been, af- been out there when we all left. Right. Uh, you know, he, uh, 
I don't, I don't know that he's had any chance to be with the number one or two offense against the defense. Yeah. This is the guy who's not playing f- real football. He's not, right. He doesn't have opportunities to actually play real football. Maybe if he's lucky, he can beat out the other quarterbacks to be the scout team guy that week and try to emulate what the other quarterback is doing yeah. for the defense's mm-hmm. sake. And even then, he's not playing real football. He's, he's working on plays yep. that he will never run he's to, help his, yeah. to help his defense. And Adam Schultz is another great example. He was starting last year after Travis went down, and all of a sudden he was just completely forgotten. Like No one talked about Adam Schultz until, I want to say, after Kendall was injured, it was sort of a question who was going to be the backup. And, and then they said, oh, well, Connor and Adam are kind of competing right now. And it was like, what? Oh, yeah, he's still, he's still on the roster because – you, I mean, so much of it is about reps that you can get in practice and reps throughout the week. Can you get first-team reps? Can you get second-team reps? Are you getting 60%, 70% of the reps? You know, and, and, you know, once you get down there, once you get down to the third, fourth, fifth-string guy, you have, like, three guys who aren't taking any reps who are pretty decent quarterbacks in their so own right. do you right. know if all these eight quarterbacks, do they have full-right scholarships to the U? Um, most of them, yeah. Yeah, they, I think yeah, I think all, all of them now. Or they all do. I mean, it's, I mean, it's bare minimum. You could say like, well, at least you know you get four cool years at pretty cool school. No doubles advocate on that one. It's it's not it's it's not fun to not play. I mean, right. I talked to Andy Phillips um, uh-huh. about this when we were doing the story on him and his skiing career, and he he just did one year as a walk on, and even like you know he he was sort of. He, he wasn't – they hadn't, didn't really trust him to really kick yet. And he was just doing scout team and lifting and doing the practices. And a lot of the practices just standing on the sideline watching other kids play. And that's not fun. I mean, that's not fun at all. It's right. so like you do all this work and you don't really have much to show for it. And maybe if you're the kind of kid who can think, oh, well, I'm making those kids who are out in the field better. Like that's the only little – ounce of satisfaction you get it's it's hard and it's, right. it's pretty unforgiving well it only worked for rudy and it, it takes rudy a level of maturity too that you know you look at a 21 year old or a 20 year old kid to kind of actually realize i mean yeah you know like you guys were saying it's like these guys were probably the best players in their respective states definitely the best players at their high schools when they finally get drafted uh re- recruited to come to the university of utah it's now they're going from being the captain always getting carried off the field to the one that's literally shagging water bottles yeah, yeah. you want you want to be on that field on Saturday, and you want to be able to experience what it's like for the crowd to roar mm. when you make a play. I mean, that, Donovan, that's what you—that—that's what you want. Donovan Isom, I'm not even sure if he—he he dresses for the games at this point. He's probably not even on the dressed roster. I would think. How does that work out? So the guys on the practice squad—they don't even get to put the uniform. Well, they on? only travel so many. They usually dress. I mean, usually the, you, you'll notice the home team sideline has way more guys yeah, than yeah, the visiting yeah. team sideline. They usually will dress most of their guys. I, I can't honestly say I remember, though, whether yeah. Donovan uh, has dressed. Because, I mean, it does become a question of space. I mean, yeah. you got yeah. the quarterbacks huddling up, and if you got eight of them there, it was, or six this year. Then so let's yeah. move us on in terms of traveling down to Las Vegas. Uh, I guess the Utes have accepted a bowl. Uh, for the, was it the Purple Nurple or the Royal Purple? Purple Nurple Royal. Purple Nurple Royal Purple, Royal, Purple Royal Rumble. Las Vegas Bowl. We're going to be served a lawsuit now somehow. <laughs> Doubtful. <laughs> a Royal Purple Las Vegas Bowl. It's a synthetic oil company for those that are gearheads. Uh, they're going to be playing Colorado State. Uh, how do you think this is a good matchup for the Utes? It's a potentially really troubling matchup for the Utes, um, in my opinion, because – uh, you just have – I think you have maybe a slight question of, you know, they, they had obviously that letdown against Arizona. Um, they, they really uh, did have some struggles against Colorado. They're banged up. I'm not sh- we're not sure exactly how many of those guys are going to be back. Um, Hunter Dimmick will be back, and Eric Rowe, I guess, is, is healthy. Um, but it's just like – and then you have Colorado State, which sort of you could construe – that they lost their head coach, so they're emotionally down. But they're playing behind an interim coach who's trying to get the full-time gig. That's, and and then they go like ten and two or something. They went ten and two. Yeah, they have a pretty, they have pretty good offensive skill players, um, some decent linemen, um, and where'd their coach boogie to? Uh, Florida. Oh. So Jim McElwain went to Florida, and it was a big deal. And Dave Baldwin, who's the interim coach, called a circus. But Dave Baldwin. 
knows Utah pretty well because he was an assistant at Utah State. He was assistant at New Mexico. And, uh, you know, he's kind of familiar with the program and Kyle Whittingham. And, you know, I, I think, you know, it, if Utah really is banged up and, and the defense looks um, maybe a little bit as uh, – uh, as uh, banged up as they did against Colorado, it could be a, it could be a problem to kind of hang with those guys, um, at least if, if they can get going offensively. That's the, my initial The other initial thing is, it's just, it's, it's inescapable that Colorado State has more to gain by winning the game, just like Utah did when it won, you know, uh, 10 of 11 bowl, or not, 9 of 10, I guess, bowl games, 9 straight, because they, they're the team that has a chip on their shoulder. They're from the non-Power 5 yeah. conference. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the coaches are always going to say, oh, we're, we're, we respect Colorado State. And you know what, though? I, I do think the players do probably watch the film and respect them. Mm-hmm. But there's, it, it's not a matter of respect so much as there's just not as much to gain from being better than a yeah. team everyone assumes you're better than. If you win – all right, yeah, you were supposed to. If you lose, it's oh my goodness, what a disaster! There's a lot to lose. How did the Rams come from the ass? I, I, I don't know because I feel like I, I I don't fully disagree with you on that point, but I I do kind of pick a bone that these guys want to win at the end. It's, of the year. They're motivated. That's yeah. that's kind of yeah. I, yeah, I guess I guess I, you, there's Utah a, there's does want to win. It's it's not it's not that they're not motivated. It's just that like Kevin said, they have a lot to lose and they don't have as much to win. Right. And that's a situation that's psychologically tough on you. Mm-hmm. It, it, if nobody's going to go out there and just say, "Oh, I don't care about beating Colorado State. <laughs> I don't care about my stats and going to the right. NFL and you know making a big impression on national TV," no one's going to say that or or feel that way. But I, I do think that there's, there is a sort of a, a component of if things start to go bad, you start to say, oh, holy, you know. Toledo. Toledo. Yeah. It, is, it is tough. And so how many seniors are going down? How many, in your opinion, Matt, how many seniors are on this team that will be playing their last game of organized football? 17. 17 of them? Right. They won't be looking. <laughs> they won't be looking at the next level. Um, oh, <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not talking yeah. smack on these guys. I mean, obviously, yeah. just getting to the game and all, you know the the whole eight and four seasons is remarkable. But is there? There still has to be. You know, we're talking about being proud and having motivation. I mean, literally, you know that you probably will not get drafted. Why would you not want to really be motivated to win this game? Well, okay, so I think. This is again where we get into the the issue of of what is realistic and what isn't. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, you see some guys sometimes work out at pro day that, right? They they, they would almost literally have to be Usain Bolt esque mm-hmm. to to have any kind of chance of of being drafted. Uh, I I haven't really gone down the list, but Utah does have a fair amount of guys who, at the very least, will have a shot to uh, sign as an off-season free agent mm-hmm. and and earn a place on an NFL team. You know, I th- of the draftees, Nate Orchard's a guy who has the potential uh, maybe even to be selected in the first round. Drez Anderson was looking like a probable draft pick, but then the injury to him is yeah, going to yeah. hurt a lot. Um, you know, Eric Rowe transitioned to corner. He's the type of big corner that Utah has produced in the past that's been successful at the next level. Yeah. You know, Sean Smith is having a great season for the Chiefs. And he, he, that's just in one season. He also knows how to play safety. So I think he'll have some value for uh, an NFL team. And then there are a lot of other guys who, who are going to get a shot, um, more probably in the, the training camp scenario. You know, Wesley Tonga's tight end who, who's tough and smart and has good hands or, you know, has good hands most of the time. A couple games this year, everybody's had pretty bad hands. But, um, gosh, I, I know I'm coming up short here on well, the list. But does, was this? A, do you think this is a better setup for us to go to Las for the University of Utah, not us, but for University of Utah to go to Las Vegas as opposed to maybe going to the Sun Bowl? Better setup for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah see, you know, I, that's yeah. That's the other question. We talk a lot about you know, on, the, on the podcast, like we want scores to be 99 to zero. You know, like why is this? Is this just good because? You'll be home for Christmas. Yeah. I'll Although, yeah. No, no, you need to stop that. The, the okay. players are happy about that, too. Yeah. What they are unhappy about is that it's finals week. Oh. So these guys all found out last week, right. last <laughs> Sunday, that it's finals, that, that their finals week is going to be moved up a week 
to Monday. Some of these guys are going to have three finals Monday. Other guys are going to have tests taken in Vegas, you know, while their other guys are, are off partying on the strip. They're going to be, you know, getting their tests proctored at Vegas right. Community College or whatever. <laughs> Uh, it, it really, really is a serious stress, and it's obviously I don't I actually don't know if Colorado State's finals week is the same week, but it, it's obviously a stress that, that other teams will have to go through. But this particular December twentieth date is is a real pain for Utah. I, I I think if you know the the date isn't great, but when you look at location wise, Utah did okay going yeah. to Vegas. It's I a, mean, it's a fantastic fan experience. I mean, I mean mm-hmm. really, it's kind of I, I put it middle of the road as to potential places you that bowl games are held. Like, well, you know, you're not going to Boise. You're not going to Detroit. Oh, OK, uh, well, you're look not going at to it. El Paso. Look but at you it. You also aren't going to Nassau, Bahamas. You're not going to Honolulu. Okay, you're not going to New Orleans. Okay, Bowl. okay. Right. So let me get before you get out of control and name every destination city in America. Uh, <laughs> okay, compare it to what what you where you can go no, in I, the I, in the Pac-12. I would, pre- I would prefer to compare it to everything else. Everything else, yeah. Detroit. I mean Montgomery, Alabama. Do you want to go to the Crampton Bowl? I understand Montgomery, Alabama is lovely this time of year. I'm sure it is, but with the it, mist. I'd rather go to Vegas. Yeah, I agree. Even if it sets a Silver Bowl way out in Henderson. It's Albuquerque, New one Mexico. Thing, one thing Vegas? I will say is this. I, you know, Vegas, it, obviously Sam Boyd Stadium is not the most storied oh, place God. that you can play a football game. But that's, that is actually kind of true of some of these other yeah, Pac-12 bowl games, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I Qualcomm the... isn't. And, uh, right. You know, I, I, I would be impressed. To I see. saw Metallica and the Grateful Dead on separate occasions at that arena. So it's, I'm, 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 I have a soft spot in my heart for this. Uh, Sam Boyd, it, it's always been the Silver Bowl when I was growing up in Las Vegas. Your sentimentality is sickening. So, okay. I it said was fun it, going to a dead I said show. it wasn't story. <laughs> what, what is your best Sam Boyd Stadium story? What's the best thing that happened to you there? Oh, it it would have to have been. What do we see? I think it had to have been Metallica when I was like, I don't know, twenty one, twenty two, or something like that. But I remember driving down from college up from Reno down to there, and and uh, we were describe how we're all dressed right now. Three of the four of us were in plaid short sleeve shirts, or at least he's got Kyle's got rolled up sleeves. Kind of dressed like this and like really liking Inner Sandman at the time, and then you show up to this uh, arena. And with all the tailgating going out there, and you realize, like, oh, these are metalheads. Like, these people are really metal, and they've traveled around the country to come to Las Vegas so they could be blasted drunk to watch them play. Was this, like, 93, 94? 95 or so. Yeah, somewhere in that neighborhood. Nice. But uh, it's uh, but growing up in Vegas, it's also out in Henderson, and, and almost everybody I knew. I mean, now it's obviously been built up there quite a bit, but it used to be this stadium out in the distance. Like, you'd look out easily 15 you know 12 to 15 miles away from where the strip is mm-hmm. you know it's not close to las vegas it's it would be the equivalent to maybe here to maybe the point of the mountain you know yeah. from the downtown to you know you're 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 quite a bit further away than like downtown salt lake to where rio tinto is uh there used to be uh it's just a place where people used to uh, do soccer tournaments as kids and stuff so i don't know for the kids though it's got. I gotta imagine going to a bowl game's gotta be amazing, you know. Because that's also at the beginning of this podcast uh, when we started uh, uh, thirteen weeks ago. That was one of the big questions. It's like, does Whittingham keep its job? Do they go over five hundred? Are they going to be bowl eligible? And as it turns out, it looks like three uh, three for three. You know, mm-hmm. like they went over. They went eight for four and uh, got a decent bowl game by all accounts. Not a great bowl yeah. game. It's not the Orange Bowl or Sugar Bowl or. The New Orleans Bowl with uh, University of Nevada and the uh, Raging Cajuns of Lafayette playing, but uh, it's I think it's a I think it's by all accounts it's been a pretty successful season and, and moreover it's like I think you guys have had really interesting stories every single week. It's not like there's been so much there hasn't been so much consistency with the University of Utah and I think that's what's made a compelling team to follow this year. Would it's you, definitely been interesting because because you know they were they were kind of. Sc- skirting out these victories against uh you know ucla and and usc and they didn't ever look that great offensively and for a while you know i think the those observers and the fans and everybody was were kind of like well how good can they be if they put together one competent game of offense and and i i don't know i'm not sure we ever really did see that um what we saw was how bad it can be if everything else isn't clicking on all cylinders. Right. Like when, 
you know, if, even for, for quarters or halves against Arizona in mm. particular, if the defense didn't show up, you mm. know, everything could could really just fall apart. Fall apart. What's been the biggest, uh, for you, Kyle, the biggest transition between covering Utah State last year to covering the Utes? Like, what would you think has been, you know, obviously it's, it is a larger conference on that, but. Well, the Pac-12 this year was just, as you kind of mentioned, it's just so unpredictable. I mean, last year, so Chucky, obviously, Chucky Keaton got injured mm-hmm. and was lost for the year, but, and, and a lot of people were down and out, but you could look at the Mountain West schedule and be like, okay, well, they're playing Hawaii, UNLV, New Mexico, you know, just a bunch of, just a bunch of teams that were not that good. And you're like, well, they actually could have a really strong finish to the season, and they kind of did. They They won their... Last, if I'm remembering correctly, their last five games of the, the regular season and then lost just barely to Fresno State in the Mountain West Championship. I mean, this year, the tricky thing was just figuring out, you know, what the heck is going on with every team in the league because the Pac-12 South was just this knotted up, just mess every week. I mean, every time it seemed like there was a contender, they would just fall. It was like a, bumble, just a bundle of barbed wire with all these different things you're trying to untangle out of it. it oh, for like. sure. Yeah. And, like, Arizona beat Oregon, and then, and then their very next game, they lost to USC, if I'm remembering correctly. And and Arizona State looked like the team to beat, and then all of a sudden they lay an egg at Oregon State. And it was just it was just weird. And, and not only that, it had so much more national implications. I mean, at, at a certain point, the Pac-12 South, the winner of the Pac-12 South, we thought could have been – in the in the national championship run in the four in the final four teams if everything went well, and it, but it was just every week it was sort of this crazy horse race. Even the last week, UCLA had had everything set up so they could win out Pac-12 South, and they just fumbled it to to Stanford. So that was kind of a a weird deal um, for me personally. What about you, Piper? I mean, is this you know having this as a beat covering you know a Pac-12 school and. What were some of the challenges that sort of uh, kind of define your first year of working the speed? Well, I was figuring out how everything works. I mean, I ask Kyle a lot of the time what to expect uh, from practices and bowl announcements because he's done it a year with Utah State. Um, you know, I, I guess I sort of feel like uh, next year, if I'm lucky enough to be doing this again, that I'll, I'll have a better idea of uh-huh. what to do. Person, just kind of do the behind the scenes thing is. It really is just kind of a grind because you you know you come into the season with little momentum. You've got all this stuff from fall camp, mm-hmm. got all these new players, and you hit a point about halfway through the season where, uh, you know, we try to have a story every day yeah. in, on Utah football, and it's not that you've run out of things to say. To say a, a lot of beat writers will complain about how there's nothing more to write about. I I kind of take issue with that. I think there's a lot to write about, but you just lose. You don't have as much time after a certain point. To, to go out and get the the parents and the ex coaches and and you know the the people who know these people off the field and once when you start to kind of like you know lose the time to do that it gets to be tough toward the end of the season to write things that aren't just game advances and setups you know so I, I guess what I learned this year was that next year I have to kind of pace pace that out a little bit and uh, you know maybe try to avoid falling into uh, routine. One, one of the things you were talked about in the middle of the season is that they closed off practices and stuff like that. How much is that you looking back now over 12 games? I guess it might have been, what, five games that you were in, uh, five weeks or so of not being able to do that. How much does that impact your ability to be ready to cover them on Saturday? Or not watching practices? Not hardly at all. No. Did it make a difference? Not no. really. Well, in fall camp, practice is important because it's all you. it's the only sample you get. I mean, if, and, and there's all these position the battles. Staff, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, at least it was this fall. So we'll see in the spring. <laughs> they keep they keep it up, but um, you know, there's all these position battles. You know, every rep seems very important. And then, but as you get on in the year, what matters? It's the games, and and everybody sees that. You know what I mean? It's like it might. So, you know, you talked about the closed off practices. Well, yeah, the we didn't we didn't go to practice. And we didn't watch practice for the last half of the year. We just wait outside patiently until they were all done, and then do our interviews. But if you can't report on who's taking reps or who who's in, who's out, I mean, what what's the purpose? I mean, yeah, you know, I mean. it's it's sort of like you just got to get it from talking to people, which is what we did. And and you know, and I also just want to say, you know, Matt 
you know, can, can we talk about how this is his first year on a major sports beat and, and mm-hmm. kind of kind of led the pack there? So he's talking about getting worn down, but it's also his first season. That's a uh, thought that, uh, yeah, my, the grind maybe gets to you. But I'll say what Kyle wanted to say. Holy cow. He did a very good job this year, Matt. Okay. <laughs> I'll be the intermediate on this it one. It feels <laughs> cheesy to say that, but, you know, that's what it is. Uh, can we talk about Kyle Whittingham and maybe uh, leaving University of Utah? Or let's that... talk about. Let's talk a little bit more about me. You know, I, we'll get <laughs> Kyle Whittingham. Well, you know, nobody wants to hear about him. The question is: Is Matt Piper leaving the University of Utah? You know, we'll see beat. what kind of deal. You know, he's he's really just worried about what's best for him and his family. <laughs> it's you know he'll listen, but if it, you know he's got to go make the choice that's best for him and his family yeah. at at that time. Are you taking your talents to Lincoln or Ann Arbor? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that I'd, I don't know that I'd take that deal. Um, sorry, I I think I know I I, cu- I cut you off rudely there. Oh, <laughs> no, far from I, it. <laughs> I think I think I know what your question was. It, we're going to talk about Kyle Whittingham yeah, and whether or not he'll be extended. There's been a, a grip of rumors that have been on on Twitter, and you know, it's uh, it's it's always interesting following some fanatical fans out there and you know get their take. I'm just kind of curious if you have any to inside knowledge or anything you can maybe share with us about Whittingham, and uh, you know, it's like. And also, is he the coach that Utah deserves and needs, you know? Or and wants. And wants. I think he's the coach Utah. We'll start with wants. I think he's the coach that most people want at this point. I think that he answered the call this year, had to get to a bowl game. He did that and more. I think uh, he's, he's a steady hand. I think people probably, if, if you're realistic about things, you realize that even the last two years for Utah – we're not nearly as bad as things can be in a small market in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think uh, he's at least earned himself uh, a, another year to show that this is actually not a fluke and it's momentum. And, you know, it may be if he, if he can prove that, this may be, you know, a, a, a destination job for him, which is funny because it's, it's his first job, but it may be. How many, you years, know, he been, how many years has he been head coach? Ten. Ten years? Yeah. So uh, right after Urban Meyer left, he got the nod? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, on the other side of things, I think, you know, he's he's been rumored, I guess, to have talked to other schools, Nebraska and Michigan. It makes sense for any coach to do that, to listen, mm-hmm. particularly because it helps give you leverage in your negotiations for to re-up with your current school, at the very least, yeah. or maybe, you're, you know, maybe even land one of those jobs. And, uh, you know, I think he's, he's always going to keep looking. And I think that the main job that, that really people are concerned about right now, oddly, given that he's the head coach and he's been here for 10 years and he's had all the success, I think there's as much concern out there that Utah will lose Kalani Sataki, the defensive coordinator. Um, and I, I think that's probably a more likely, more likely scenario that they, do, that they do lose him, not because of anything Kalani's told me or because of anything I've heard from other schools just because it's it, it sort of, you know, you read the tea leaves. There are all these jobs opening. He's a very hot prospect. He's going to get some opportunities that are tough for him to turn down. Like potentially. I mean, well, yeah, that would really be reading the tea leaves. But, you know, a, a, eventually a he will. Well, minutes maybe in this a, podcast, a no one's listening five. to it. Give me two schools, like BYU and Utah State. Utah State? Sure. Good enough Neither for job of which is open, <laughs> but you, I, I do. Think Utah State is uh, still has a head coach, and BYU still has a head coach. But right, I don't know. I mean, Oregon State. You know, if they get down the list, you know, or <laughs> and if that appeals to him, or or um, you know, Colorado State obviously has an opening um, right now, and I know Dave Baldwin's going to be trying to coach for his job for the head coaching job uh, next week. But you know. Kalani could look at that, and, and um, this is all intensely hypothetical. But Jim McElwain, coming from the SEC, built a really good foundation there, made it from a four-win team to a ten-win team, has some good talent, and, and showed the blueprint, which is bringing some transfers, bringing some junior college guys. He's had a lot of success with those, those kind of kids, and and you know maybe that's kind of a, a good foundation program for. Kalani, if he's looking into it, and I mean, I don't like Do Matt said earlier, I don't proclaim to have any inside knowledge, but it's a logical step. 
Well, this, the next one is, I mean, uh, is Witt considering maybe making, has he ever had any indication he'd be interested in an NFL job? You know, um, I don't, I don't think that Witt has the, the, the pedigree? position right now. He's, he, he can't step in. He certainly wouldn't be a candidate for head coaching job. No, that's what I mean. Like, uh, um, to, to be a coordinator or position coach, he'd have to take a pretty big pay cut. And, and he'd also have to give up some, some uh, n- not that any coach has uh, real job security, but he'd have to give up some to go be, you know, first-year NFL yeah, coach. I, I, I do think – I know I wouldn't want to be the guy who has to decide on coaches, especially a guy – I think Witt might be a little bit different, but, you know, th- going into this season, it was kind of – I think it was um, pretty uh, – it was almost accepted that – he really needed to, to put some wins together this year, that that, that that seat was getting hot. And had he not been able to, had it been another three-win season, um, I really think that you very well could have seen a coaching change after this season. Um, and it would have made sense that there was a three-year history there where um, of just not winning and not being successful, and you, want, you needed to turn the corner there. Mm-hmm. However, this being the contract year, he goes out, and, you know, we, we've recounted – in, in previous weeks about how things kind of went right at times uh, in just the right way for Utah where they were able to pull off those late game wins. And then so he puts together a, a, a season where he's able to go to a bowl game. But, you know, Chris Hill has to look at it as, okay, yeah, that, that's where we want to be. We want to be going to bowls. We want that to be the expectation. We want that to be happening. But is this year just a fluke or is this – where we we have turned that corner, we had the two down seasons, and now we're this is this is us on the uptake. We're going up. This is where we want to go, um, and I think where wit this is ten years for wit, where you can kind of be like, all right, there there was that past history of success. Now he's adjusted to the Pac-12. He's ready to win at this level. Now he's bringing in the recruits that he needs, and this year kind of proves it. And so that's why we're going to keep him because you can you can. You know, Kyle, you said like a Colorado State with Baldwin coaching for for that job. Well, how, how much of a sample size do you need? Because if you look at it, all right, well, let's say he goes out and he beats Utah. All right, great. But he had a month to – well, actually he had I'm, like two I'm weeks. I'm sorry, I'm losing you. I'm what I'm saying is that I think you have to be careful on sample size and that, all right, wit one season, yeah, things went well. But had had – Sir, are you advocating? Well. Are, are, I'm sorry, and just are you advocating that <laughs> Wit doesn't deserve job security because it could be a fluke year? Is that what you're saying? No, but I'm saying that you don't want to read too much into it either. That you can't just dismiss the past two years; they were down years. Yeah. So what 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 is the true Kyle Whittingham? Is it this year, what or was it, it the what's past the trajectory? Two? What do you what do you think about that? I, I've wondered about that myself. Really. Yeah, and I, I think it's hard to gauge. Um, in part because you look at this year and some of the impact transfers, I think, are really maybe the biggest story of, of the year in Devontae Booker and Johnny mm-hmm. um, Paul and Kalen Clay. Right. And Clay's going to be gone. Yep. Um, you know, they're, I think Dennis Erickson did say yesterday that he thinks Devontae Booker's going to be back, but I think it's safe to say there's a chance he could be gone. Um, and do you have a back? in the system that's going to be as good as him. And, and you know, it's it's kind of like they did kind of – it almost feels a little bit like Witt did make some of those recruiting choices um, for that for this year. Um, you know, Tevin Carter was only going to be a one-year guy. He might get that year back. We'll see. Um, but, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to tell. I mean, I think he's certainly reached a level where he's – he and his staff are saying we're going to do whatever it takes to win. And I think you saw that this year with even with the position changes, you can debate the merits of that, whether mm-hmm. they should have done it with the quarterbacks. Right. But they they were just concentrated on, hey, we got like, – and I know it's cliche, but they were concentrated on we got to win this next game. It doesn't matter who we're loyal to. It matters who performs. And so they've definitely crossed the threshold into this idea that, you know, we're, we're going to take – we're going to get – the players we need, even if they have academic issues, we're going to try and work it out with them. Right. I mean, we're going to do whatever we need <laughs> yeah. to to win. 
Right, but you get okay. So Kaylin Clay played a very important role this year. Right, um, and you're like, yeah, that was absolutely the right move to bring him in for one year. However, okay, he's gone now, so you haven't really built a foundation there. You've got to find. You have to find that guy again. There's absolutely truth to it. To what you're saying, I get what you're saying. There's absolutely truth to the to that. You know, they don't. They do return a fair amount of players. I think they return 15 or they 16 do, yeah. starters, but. They lose – I mean, if you take Kalen Clay away from this year's team, how many wins do they have? I don't know. It could easily right. be a couple wins less than, than what they've yeah. got, easily. Uh, so I, I think that there's they – they do need to show that they're, they're getting something from their true freshmen that they're bringing in and that they do, need, they do still need to keep going out. I say keep. They do need to start going out and winning more battles against the UCLA's and USC's and Cal's of the world, particularly in Southern California against these other Pac-12 teams, uh, because not and not just California teams, but around the Pac-12. Because really, they there there is something to. I think we hear a lot about how they're getting bigger and faster from the coaches, but you look at their recruiting classes as measured by sort of the national services, and you, they're. There's no, there's no great trend toward uh, the, the upper heights of the, the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they're kind of middle of the road, and that's kind of how they were when they came into yeah. this thing. Uh, so. See, I, I go back to uh, – this was before I came out here to Utah. I was, there was a college – it was a um, football championship series. So it was well, the old uh, 1AA. And the team and the town where I covered, Southeast Missouri State, had a coach who had this history of – bad seasons, three wins, two wins, three wins. His contract year, he goes out, and for the first time in school history, they reach the, the playoffs. And they won games kind of in a way like Utah did this year, where it was games that everything just kind of went right. Bailey wire and duct tape games. Yeah, which is, where, mm. you know, it could have gone either way, but they won it. And so, and they made they made it into the, the top 10, and you're like, hey, you know, cool. Um, Coach ends up being voted National Coach of the Year for one double A, and it's his contract year. How do you not bring that guy back? He he took. Well, how do you not can the guy for just having luck that one well, year? I mean, you can't you can't fire him. You've got to resign him. Well, the next year, back to three wins. Bobby Houck is a great example from UNLV. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, the, he he had a winning season last year, and his first got extended, and immediately took huge steps back after graduating a great senior class yeah. and and now they're hiring the bishop gorman head coach over at unlb oh. <laughs> um but uh, you know well, let's talk better let's talk <laughs> let yeah he probably yeah he had to take a downgrade UNLV, he had to guys. take a downgrade in facilities pay and talent um but in all seriousness uh you, you know let's you, you want to talk about foundation let's talk about the foundation pieces and and you have a bunch of young linemen um, you have a couple sophomores who have been very good linemen this year. Um, and, and you have Jackson Barton, who potentially is a great um, tackle prospect. You have certainly a whole lot of quarterbacks. Well, yeah, <laughs> you but, have, you but, have, but that doesn't help you. No, because yeah. it's look, I, Okay, okay, okay. You, okay, okay let me continue. Guy, let me continue. I don't you, want the guy whose hair's on fire oh. all the time coaching to that, oh, my gosh, he just threw an interception, or he fumbled, so I have oh, to go to the next okay, guy okay. in order to win. <laughs> Let's continue, though. You have On the defensive line, you have Hunter Dimmick, you have Lolo Tulele, you have Filippo Mokafisi, you have uh, Paul and Norris coming back as linebackers. Of course, they'll be seniors. Uh, but And and then in the in the secondary, you have Dom Hatfield, who was kind of a revelation this year, and you have Reggie Porter coming back from injury. Um, you have a couple young safeties who, who got experience and, you know, hopefully – play competently next year. I think there are some pretty solid foundation pieces, especially on the defensive side uh, for Utah and in the trenches as well. I mean, with Asiata and um, and uh, some some of the guys that play, play pretty well this year. Right. So, so I mean, essentially, Kutasi. I think what Chris Hill has to say is what you're, those guys that you're mentioning, mm-hmm. is that foundation going to be able to sustain the success? Because if, if, you're going to bring back Whittingham. You're bringing him back for five years, and so you better be ready because you're not. You aren't going to be able to buy him out for at least three years. So, and and maybe at all, depending mm. on what the contract is. So, that that's what I'm saying. If I wouldn't want that job of having to say, is the foundation that's there, is that going to be able to sustain us? For is that the kind of sustaining that we need and the type of kids that we need? that Whittingham deserves five more years. 
I actually think it does. I, I actually mm. like Whittingham. I know I'm kind of coming across as this guy who's saying maybe you shouldn't go with Whittingham. But I think that he's kind of – I think that you're right. I think he does have the pieces. You, you've got to find – you're going to have to find the Kalen Clays and bring them in and, and hope that, that you hit on those. Right. And you need to, I think, in order to be able to win those – nine games in the well, Pac-12. I mean, or could you make the argument Utah. that you're looking at this through a traditional football uh, football coaching schematics from 25 years ago, like now Witt is a part of this new generation of coaches that really is going to try to put the best pieces in there, even if it means bringing on Clay for just a year. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to do that for Utah, like Matt mentioned. I mean, you could just kind of kind of hope to hit on some of those guys that maybe, you know, USC, UCLA don't need to take a chance on, um, like a Kalen Clay, who – you know, did was at Cal, you know, got got had to yeah. leave for whatever reason, then had to do the JUCO route. Um, but I, I, to me, Winningham, the biggest mark against him is just the stability from coaching standpoint with the coordinators. I mean, and to me, one of the big questions for Winningham is is Dave, is Dave Christensen going to come back? Um, and I don't know. I mean, Matt, maybe chime in if you have a thought on that. Um, but. You know, going through an, a different offensive coordinator every year, I mean, that's kind of turmoil. You're, you're installing a new offense every spring, basically. It's it's hard for kids. It's hard for players. It it's obviously hasn't really worked to this point. So what's what's going to happen? Are you going to have stability there, in well, my opinion? And quarterbacks coach Aaron Roderick uh, talked about that to me yesterday. The assistants were available, which is really nice, by the way. But uh, he, he actually himself, a former co-offensive coordinator at BU, uh, who was demoted? I uh, he said he said you know there are still things that they're looking at the tape and saying oh we we hadn't really seen that before or, or thought about how that affects this offense you know and this is at the end of the season and that it's it's a process that's that's multiple years long to perfect an offense and it goes it'll still be going in year three of an offense and and he said it's absolutely you know he didn't say. Kyle's got to bring Dave Christensen back and stop firing all his offensive coordinators after one year. But he did say, I'd really like to see some continuity next yeah. year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's a good enough place to log off for this week. Amazingly, uh, we didn't talk about Utah BYU playing t- tomorrow. <laughs> no, we did not. Uh, please go to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe to the show uh, per usual with our tacit agreement, five-star ranking. And you can trash us in the comment sections to help get a little bit of traction there. Uh, follow us on Twitter at was it Trib Sports Radio? Yep. Yeah. So at Trib Sports Radio, uh, for the next ten followers, we'll follow you back on that and uh, check out Kyle Goon at Kyle Goon at Matthew Piper at Matt, Matthew underscore Piper. Yeah. K Win Mo on Twitter. I'm Benny Raskin. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye bye. For Tribune Sports Radio, this is Ben Raskin. Our weekly podcast is recorded every Tuesday. Subscribe to the show on iTunes at Trib Sports Radio. And while you're there, please rate the show and give us some comments to help improve the podcast. All of our reporters' work can be found at sltrib.com. Please follow us on Twitter at Trib Sports Radio. Tweet us questions and the fellows will be happy to answer them. Or if you feel like writing an email, send it to Tribune Sports Radio, all one word, at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.